Romans chapter 6. If you haven't, I hope you haven't forgotten where the book of Romans is. We've been a while since, and I'm kidding, but uh, it's been a while since we have been there. Romans chapter 6. This morning I want to talk about something very important uh, in each of our lives, and that is uh, how to have victory in the Christian life. Uh, many times in our lives, um, our focus will become upon ourselves. Uh, we become concerned uh, about ourselves, and we forget about living uh, for the glory of God and living for Him where we need to not so much focus on ourselves, but we need to uh, seek to, to glorify Him and, and to live for Him. And of course, the verse that comes to my mind is 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You want victory in your Christian life? Live to the glory of God. Amen. I mean, really, that's what we're talking about. Living uh, to honor Him. Uh, living uh, uh, to glorify Him. And uh, to have victory in your life. And uh, this morning I want to look in uh, uh, verses 7 through 14. And there are three points to this. If you keep notes. First of all is knowing. Secondly is reckoning. And thirdly is uh, yielding. Yielding or presenting or offering. I think the King James have yielding. And I think the, uh, but anyway, that's the idea behind that. And uh, we see as in, in verse 7, as really all the way up to, in the book of Romans up to this far, uh, uh, to this point, Paul has been talking about what we need to know. Doctrine that we really need to know. What is essential uh, in our lives to know to have victory. And, uh, and he really says in verse 3 that uh, uh, I think he uses the, the word knowing. He says in, in verse 3, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized and so forth? And then on down, he says in verse 6, knowing this. And then in verse 9, knowing. Okay, so he's really saying this you need to know. This you ought to already know is what he's telling uh, these believers here. And correct knowledge is essential in the Christian life, to understand your union with Christ. He's been talking about justification by faith alone and uh, uh, our union with uh, Christ. And Paul is contrasting real salvation with a salvation that is in name only. Okay? There is real, genuine uh, salvation in Christ, but then there is something that is not real. Uh, and we find Paul talks about a real Christian is one who has died to the rule and reign of sin in his life, from verse 2. Uh, a Christian will not habitually 
practice uh, uh, sin any longer. He's become a new creature in Christ. And uh, he now has the power because of the Holy Spirit working in him, the power to resist Satan. We saw that uh, the last time we met uh, together. And uh, we need to be very clear about that in in our Christian life. Uh, He talks about, and we talked about, being baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. Not water baptism here he talks about, but being baptized by His Holy Spirit into Christ. The Holy Spirit unites us in Christ. We're all one in Christ because we've been baptized into Christ by His Holy Spirit. And, uh, and we've been baptized into the body of Christ. Romans 8, 9. You can, we looked that up. We won't do that now because of time. But we're, he, he, he talks about this union with Christ. Uh, we're baptized into His death in verse 3 of chapter, of chapter 6. Uh, burial, he, we're buried with Christ, he says, which is the proof of death. The fact that you have died, you will be buried with Christ. In other words, you're finished with the life as you knew it. What we were in Adam, I, I believe is what he's talking about, what you were in Adam no longer exists. It's dead. It's, you're finished with that, but now you're in Christ. And uh, you're alive in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. And this, I think, is, is so vitally important to understand. And we'll talk about more of that today. And, uh, uh, but we have, we, were, we have died and we've been buried with Him. And we have died to the rule and reign of that old world that we had when we were in Adam. And then we find that Christ was resurrected. And He proved... Uh, he got victory over the rule and reign of sin and death by his resurrection. And we too have been raised to newness of life. And uh, it means the same power that raised Christ from the dead raises us up from the dead spiritually. And this is what Paul's talking about. We've been raised from the dead spiritually. And that is not something future. That is right now. We, we died with Him historically in the past. We died. Now we are raised with Him spiritually. And that is now. Uh, that places us in Him. And you know what? He's going to talk about it some more in seven, uh, through, verses 7 through 14. He's not done with this because it's so important that He's driving this home. And we all need to be aware of that. It's that important in our lives. Uh, the old man... Who we were in verse 6, he says, notice in chapter 6, knowing this, that the old self, that, that is the old man that we were in Adam, was crucified with him once and for all. It was crucified. It's not we're being crucified, we're you know, crucifying ourselves. No, we, we were crucified. We died with him. What we were in Adam is dead. Now you have to really get that through your mind. That's what he's talking. I think that's really what he's talking. There are those that disagree, and that's fine. But I think to have a clear understanding, we need to, to understand what's going on. The old man, that is uh, uh, what we were in Adam. We were 
bound by sin. We were slaves to sin. We were haters of God. We were against God. We were ungodly. We were without strength. We were... That's gone. That's gone. And uh, this is uh, reason for us uh, to give praise to Him and Him alone uh, for what we now have in Christ. What do we have now in Christ? Union with Him. We are in Him. We are in Him. I want you to just remember that. Preach that to yourself every day uh, that we are in Him. How can you know uh, that you know that you're in Him? That you have union with Christ. How can you know that you know about this union? I think there's one thing in particular we uh, can know. And that is, does it thrill your heart? Does it thrill your heart? Or do you just kind of go, yeah, okay. I mean, really, I mean, what, that's what, does it thrill your heart to know now that you are in Christ? That you are now, remember what we saw in Colossians 2.10? And in Him, that is in Christ, no longer in Adam, now in Christ, you have been made what? That means lacking nothing, right? You're complete and He is ahead. Uh, But we're now complete. You know, that ought to thrill your heart. This is what Paul is saying. Man, I am complete. You mean really complete? Yeah, really complete. Well, how good is that? Well, it means complete. You're you're complete. Okay, wow. That's pretty neat. You know, my my grandson uh, wanted money because he... For his birthday, and so he wanted to, to get enough money to buy this certain whatever, and I'm not even sure what it was. But uh, he raised and he got for his birthday enough money to buy what he wanted. In other words, it was sufficient, and you know, to buy what he wanted. What did that make him? Happy. He was, he was ecstatic that he could buy this now because he had enough money. Does it thrill our hearts that we are now complete in Christ? You see what I'm saying? This is what Paul is driving home. You're perfect in Christ. If you're in Adam, you're lost. You're in real big trouble, is what he's saying. But now in Christ, we're complete. And that ought to thrill your heart. Just think if somebody said... uh, uh, came up to you and said, if you check your bank account, you have a trillion dollars now in your account. All your financial needs now are complete. You will never have to... What would that do to you? Well, I hope so. <laughs> Ooh, boy, you're talking about checks, man. They couldn't print enough. All right? Yeah, that would throw your heart. It, and, and this is what Paul is saying, that something we ought to know. Knowing, he says. Knowing. Knowing. Wow, wow, something that we can really know to thrill us. And uh, uh, so in verse 7, he continues on. In verse 7 of Romans uh, chapter 6, he says, For he who has died is freed from sin. 
Notice here how he goes from we and us all down through here. In other words, we now who are in Christ, we, 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 us, us, us. And now he jumps to the pronoun he. So I think what he is saying here is just generally speaking, anybody who has died physically is freed from sin. I want you to take somebody that murdered him and he's dead and I want you to bring charges against him. He's dead. You can't do that. I mean, right? I mean, you can, he, can be, he can be guilty, but you can't punish him. He's dead. And he says here, we're free. He who has died is freed from sin. He is freed from sin. When a person dies, he can no longer sin. He can no longer sin. You can't bring a charge against a dead man. You just can't do it. Try it. And so, because we are united with Christ, we have died with Him. And what? Freed from sin. Freed. Did you hear that? We're freed from sin. See, it can't touch us anymore. Now, it's not that we don't sin. I'm not saying that because we still sin. But it can no longer condemn us anymore. Who can bring a charge against God's elect is what Paul's saying on over in Romans. You see, we're freed from sin. That's why he starts this chapter out. Do you continue to sin then to show how gracious God is? God forbid. But you see, that's how good it really is. Because that's what some people would think. Then I just do whatever I want to. No, because he's changed our want to. And so... We have died with Him. and Remember, what is true of Christ is true of you. Because we're in Him. See, we're in Him. We, were, we, uh, we died with Him. We were buried with Him. We were raised with Him in newness of life. Whatever is true of Him is true of us. Uh, boy, this is, this is good stuff. You say, well, how does that help me? How does that help me? Because I think the greatest truth we can ever be told is that what we were in Adam, a slave of sin, is gone. It's gone. Now, I have a new identity. I have a new self. And the moment I realize that, then I'm in a better, better position then to deal with that sin that remains in my old nature. You see what I'm saying? I am not continually dying to what I used to be in Adam. That's gone. But now there's sin that remains in my members, in my body, in this body. And that's what I have to struggle with. But be certain, be certain and know for certain that in Christ you're complete. You You see the significance of this? And uh, there's some there's some things that will flow out of this. I think that's that's very important to understand. And that's why Paul is is talking this way. Yeah, I fall into sin, but uh, when I fall into sin, I don't question whether I'm a believer or not. I don't say, "Oh, I lost my salvation. I sinned." Boy, that's depressing because I'd be losing my salvation twenty times, forty times, sixty times a day, in thought, word, and deed. Right? No, we're secure in Christ. Because we're in Christ. 
This is what Paul is driving at. And so, uh, really, if you're asking yourself that, that's good. Boy, I must have lost. Boy, that was a. How could how can a Christian think such a wicked thought? That's a good thing that you care about that because if a lost person doesn't care that he thinks a wicked thought. You see what I'm saying? So the fact that you're struggling is a good thing because that shows that God is working in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And then in verse 8 we find the assured belief. He says here in verse... uh, He says, Now if we have died with Christ, which we did, we... Again, he goes back to we. Did you notice now? He shifts from he back to we. We, that is, we who are in Christ have died with Christ. We believe that we shall also live with Him. If one is true, the other is true. If if I'm dead with Christ, then I will be alive with Christ. Both are true. And uh, that's that's thrilling uh, as as well. Uh, And he says, believe this. Believe it's true now. It's We believe. This is the idea of assurance, security, absolute certainty, confidence. This is what this we believe means here. And notice it's, it's the emphasis is on Him, in Him. It's not on me. No, it's about Him. And uh, this assurance uh, uh, we must have, I think, to have victory in our life. You must be assured that you're in Christ. If you're assured that you're in Christ, then you'll have victory. That's one of the steps to having victory in your life. Or not, you're going to be depressed, questioning, uh, and uh, and what have you. And that's that's not a good thing. Uh, What else should we know from this? What else should we know from this? Notice verse 9, knowing... That Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. This is something else he says we should know. Death has no more dominion over Christ. What does that mean? Death has no more dominion over me. Why? Everything that's true about Christ is true about me. This is not, he's not saying possibly if you do certain things. If you accomplish this, or if you, you know, no, he's saying this is true about you. This is what Paul is driving home. It's because of what Christ did. See, it's because of what he did. It's not about you at all. Your salvation is what he did. It's by his obedience, Romans 5.19. Look back, you know, it's by his obedience. By his obedience. Boy, I mean, this is, this is uh, once, you, once this really gets deep in your soul, it'll thrill you to death. Death has been defeated. Uh, we're, we're, we're free. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? You'll never, you'll never, 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 ever, ever die in your sins because he's paid for it. This is is good stuff. And he says also in verse 9, having been raised from the dead, the resurrection is proof 
that death can no longer lord it over Christ. The very fact that God raised Christ from the dead is proof positive that God was satisfied with the work that Christ did on the cross. He accepted that work. How do we know that? Because He was raised from the dead. If He had not been raised from the dead, God, it would have shown God wasn't really satisfied with what Christ had done. But the fact that He did that uh, uh, shows that. He died unto sin once and for all. He says here in verse 10, For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. He died to sin once for all. Hebrews 9.12 And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all. He doesn't have to do it over and over and over again. It was once for all. Having obtained what? Redemption. If that doesn't excite your soul, I don't know what will. But he did it. You don't have to accomplish anything. He's accomplished it all. We're going to see that in a minute. He's accomplished it. If he can die, then we're in trouble. If he can die again, we're in trouble. But no, he cannot. We're in Christ and his work is finished. He is finished with death, and so are we. That is spiritual death, not physical death, but we're finished with, with that. What did Jesus say on the cross? I glorify you on the earth having what? Oh, there it is. So you don't have to accomplish anything. Christ has already accomplished the work which God gave him to do. Amen. Also in, in John 19.30, therefore when Jesus had received the sour wine, he says, it is finished except for you need to do this, that, and the other thing. And he bowed and said, no, it is finished. He's finished with the work that God gave him to do. And then the finality of it in Romans 1.17 and 18, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And the living one. You see, he is the living one. And so are we. We're living ones. Even though we'll die physically, we're, we'll, we'll never die spiritually. He is the living one. And I was dead. Behold, I am alive for how long? Forevermore. Forevermore. And I have the keys of death in Hades. It's for us. It's is for us. Hallelujah. So we're united to Christ. And Paul says what? Know this. Know this. Know this. And that brings us to the second point. So what are we to do then, considering we are in this condition? <clears throat> what are we to do? Now, not to accomplish... Christ is a conference, you know, because everybody's one. well, what do I have to do to be saved? Do I have to come to church every week? Do I have to do this? Do I, what do I have to accomplish? You don't have to accomplish anything. But what do you have to do? Paul says here in verse 11, notice, even so, he says, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. 
reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Dead to it. You know, this is the first time in five and a half chapters that we have an exhortation or application of doctrine where he's told them to do something, tells us to, and that is just consider, just to reckon this as true. Know for certain that what I am telling to you is true. It's a command, reckon, consider. And so this, I believe, is, is the truth here, is that in Adam uh, uh, we are lost, in Christ uh, we are no longer dead, but we're alive unto God. And we still have to struggle, though, of course, with that old nature that we're going to talk about. And so when you tell somebody, uh, consider your old nature as dead, they'll look at you, eh, eh, ain't true. Why? Because they know their old nature is still very much alive, that they sin against God every day in every way. Okay, and so he's not saying reckon your old nature to be dead. Why? Your old nature isn't dead. He's saying consider, take it as a fact, who you were in Adam is gone. It has no bearing in your mind whatsoever, in your, in your state whatsoever. It's dead. It's gone. Do this, he says. Reckon it. Uh, because uh, it's so important. Because if not, we get very confused on what truth what the truth is. It'd be like somebody saying, uh, you know, uh, my whole body is eaten up with cancer. And uh, someone says, well, what you need to do is every day, in every way, say I'm getting better and better. Is that how you deal with it? No, because your body is completely eaten up. You know you're dying. So to tell yourself a lie that in every way, in every day, I'm getting better and better... See, Paul's not saying this. He's not, considered, he's not saying consider something that's not really true. Just tell yourself a lie and you'll get better. No. He's telling us something that really is true about us. See? You see the difference? He's not telling a lie here that your old nature is getting better and better. Your old nature is not getting better and better. But what we were in Christ is gone. Now let me... And I know a lot of this we keep going over. 2 Corinthians 5... 17. Therefore, if anyone is what? And that's what we're talking about, see? In Christ. He is what? Old things, what? Does that mean gone to you? I think that's what he's saying. It's gone. It's passed away. What you were in Adam is gone away. Behold, new things have come. And what you've got to do is reckon that. You've got to really Understand that. You, and he says, not only that, you really need to know this, and you ought to already know this, that what you were in Adam's gone, but now you're, you're a new creation in Christ. And boy, uh, uh, your sin nature, though, is not getting better and better. Your sin nature, my sin nature, seems to get worse and worse. Because why? I see it more and more. The closer I get to Christ, the more sinful I see myself. Uh, hopefully I sin less, but I see the sin more. You see what I'm saying? So that's not what Paul's talking about. But, he, but we do sin in our members. And we'll see that in Romans 7 when he says, see in 7, uh, uh, 
18, he does, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. And he goes on to explain this, and he says, That is in my flesh. That is where sin dwells. I'm not getting better. You see that? In my flesh, in the members where sin dwells, there is no good thing. But in Christ, I'm complete. In Christ, I am perfect. There's been a lot of misunderstanding concerning this, and I know there are good people that differ. And peace is all I can say, peace. Uh, And Paul is not saying here that sin is dead or powerless. No, sin is just as powerful. Uh, It can mess your life up uh, just as it always has been able to. But now, you're not powerless. Why? Because you have God's Holy Spirit in you, and now you can fight back. You can fight the good fight of faith, Paul says, because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Uh, So sin is not dead, uh, but sin will never... Uh, uh, make me captive, will never put me back in Adam again. But now, the positive side, what does he say here? I'm alive to God. Now I'm alive to God. I'm no longer in Adam, dead in my trespasses, but now I'm alive to God in Christ. In Christ, I'm alive to God. In other words, I'm now under God's plan and purpose. Romans 8, 28, all things are working together For good. Why? Because now I'm in Christ. And Christ is in me. I'm no longer in Adam. Because if that were the case, all things are not working together for good to those who are still in Adam. You see? No, only for those who are in in Christ. We'll get to that in Romans 8.28. So we're now under grace reign. And then lastly, and very quickly, this is the shortest part, He says, now you're to yield. In verses 12 through 14, he says, yield or present uh, uh, your members. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, but uh, so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting or yielding the members of your body. This is where sin, to, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. And that's who you are. Say, present who you are in Christ to God as those alive from the dead, which we are, and your members as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not uh, be master over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, uh, there is no excuse for sin Paul is saying. There's no excuse for... uh, And notice here he says, he does not say, do not let sin reign in you. That is, who you are in Christ. Don't let sin reign who you are in uh, in Christ. Why? Because that's impossible. Grace reigns. Now, in Christ, grace reigns. So, But he says, don't let sin reign in your members. You see. Because it, the old nature is still there. And there's this struggle that, that's going on. And God wants us uh, uh, to be sanctified. He wants us to, to be sanctified. First Thessalonians 4. Finally then, brethren, we, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus, those in Christ, that as you receive from us instruction on how you ought to walk and please God, that's our responsibility now, those who are in Christ, just as you actually do walk, 
that you excel still more. In other words, you never, this thing never ends. It's, sanctification keeps going and going. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion, like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgression defraud his, his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. Uh, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but God who gives, notice, his Holy Spirit to you. The reason now you're able to live a godly life is because of the Holy Spirit in you. Amen. The power of the Holy Spirit. But what you've got to do, though, is yield to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and you, have, you can do that. There's no excuse now for anybody to sin, for any Christian to sin, is what Paul's saying here. Uh, you're not just to let go and let God, but no, you're to enter. It, it fight the good fight of faith. Remember we went through uh, all of the uh, uh, Ephesians. Put on the whole armor of God and so forth. Fight this fight, Paul says. And, and if you're a real Christian, you are going to fight this fight. Just in a, in a real practical manner, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, honorable, whatever is right, pure, lovely, good report, if there's any, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. You see, so there's the renewing of our mind. How do you do that? By thinking on good stuff. If you fill your mind full of garbage, what's going to come out? Garbage. Okay. So this is our responsibility. But it has nothing to do with us being in Christ. We have to understand that we're in Christ. We're in Christ. We're no longer in Adam, and we live. Uh, 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 and, he, and where does he say that? He says that, I think. He, he just brings it all to a head. And he says, you are no longer under law, but under grace. You're no longer under law. Who is under law? Those in Adam. Who's under law? Those who are condemned. Those who are living by the law, trying to be saved by keeping the law. They're in Adam. But now who are under grace? Those in Christ. Amen. You see what I'm saying? You're no longer under law, but now you're under grace. Amen. Live like it, he says. You're under grace. By the obedience of Christ that gets us to heaven. It's by his obedience that gets us there. But here we see under law a picture of an unsaved man that's still in Adam. And what does the unsaved man in Adam say? Do this and live. Do this and live. And what does is, what is those in Christ say? Live and, and do this. <laughs> Live in Christ and do this. Let the, let the doing flow out of the living in Christ. Amen. And that's what's going to happen. Now, let me ask you this question and we'll close. Can you get victory over anything in your life? You can get victory over everything in your life. There's no excuse for sin. Amen. Think about that. Is there something in your life that you cannot get victory over? 
You can. You can. You can. That's what Paul's saying. You can. Don't make an excuse. You can. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning for your word. Uh, Lord, help us all, as it says in Romans 13, 14, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. God, give us grace. Give me grace to, to walk the walk and to really realize, God, that I am, that I am in Christ. Help me to know this. Help me, as Paul says, to believe this about myself. That I would walk in the power of the gospel. That it's the gospel that is the power. Believing the gospel. God, help me to believe. To really believe what is true about me and walk in that newness of life that I have in Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you'd work in each of our lives. If, Lord, if there's some sin uh, that is uh, uh, overwhelming someone in this, this congregation, as sin uh, will rear its ugly head, Father, I pray that you would give them victory. And we'll talk about that uh, in the future. And, and, Lord, I know, though, even now, there are things in our lives that displease you. But, Lord, you have instructed us uh, to be sanctified, uh, to live the Christian life. And so, so God, uh, just help us. We need you, Father. We need you uh, powerfully in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat>